calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Are you ready for the news with the side of Bell Pepper? Seriously, what the f are you doing? It's time for Trend Lightly. No, God, please, no, no! With America's sweetheart. With America's sweetheart. Oh my God! The Queen the of Glendale. Glendale. Who are you? The Irish American Tornado. Surprise, motherfucker. Molly McAleer. Molly McAleer. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Trend Lightly. I'm Molly McAleer, and with me, as always, is Tiffany Maddox. Hey. Hi. Hello. What a wonderful week on the internet, been. What a mild week in comparison to the last <laughs> week. I know we do have a lot of new listeners, and we'd like to welcome you to the show. This is Trend Lightly. The episode you'll hear today is tonally more of our usual deal. Mm-hmm. For sure. Not a little so- bit light touch. Yeah, we should acknowledge that, that like we love a good mystery and we love a deep dive. But for some reason, this bad art friend was like the perfect storm of me giving a shit, having a small justice boner, feeling like (laughs) massively gaslit and just like deeply concerned that people weren't seeing the full picture. We've done full blown investigations in the past before, like our David Dobrik episode our second episode ever was me going after a barstool writer. But like generally we kind of keep it somewhat light. Yeah. And it's, it's always really fun when we get lots and lots of fun stories to talk about too, because it's like a relaxed fit. It's like hanging out with friends. It's like, sometimes you need a little bit of light with your shadow. So I was telling you before that I feel like I'm having a weekend for the first time in a long time. We record this on Sunday just so you guys have a frame of reference. I got to watch Squid Game yesterday. I'm having a glass of wine at noon today, like 1 p.m. I feel like I'm killing it. Squid Game I loved. Good. Okay. Yeah. It's very very bingeable, isn't it? Like you can do it so quickly. It's like the perfect weekend watch. As someone who's worked in like – the entertainment industry in the United States. So it absolutely does not benefit me to say this. 
I really think we should stop making programs here and <laughs> strictly <laughs> go to the Koreans because between this and Masked Singer, like what an underutilized resource. Hello. Oh my God. Yes. Hundo P. I used to be obsessed with Korean cinema for a little while. And I say that with like a pinch of salt because I always feel like I'm being that guy when I'm like, oh, but Korean cinema is just so beautiful. But it really is like some of my favorite pieces of media come out of Korea. Not K-pop. I'm not into that. But I can see how one would be. Oh, yeah. No, totally. I I love Asian cinema, too, by the way. Like, truly, that's like a big dorky area for me that was a huge concentration of my film major. I rarely tell people that, mostly because I don't have a lot of memories, but that is true of me. So, yeah, Squid Game was amazing. You told me you're in a VR room of some type with teenagers playing a Squid Game game at your house. It's so fun. So I got an... impulse bought an oculus I had like an, a, an emotional I had an emotional week and then I had like an emotional hangover so like when you do something that feels significant to you I sent an email to someone who'd been a pretty malevolent toxic presence in my life cutting them out and then cut them out and then I was like okay I need to celebrate and do something a little bit fun and reckless so I bought an oculus rift <laughs> which I I would say up until two days ago, I would have had zero interest in owning. And I am obsessed with it. I, it's like the most fun. It's so fun. So I did, I played Beat Saber, obviously. And then I downloaded the Billy. Oh my God, it's the it's everything, Molly. It's everything. It's like you basically are in this virtual world where these colored blocks come towards you and you have to like slash and hack them with lightsabers. It like you can do it on different modes. Some of the YouTube videos of people playing on expert mode are mind-boggling. But yeah, you basically hack and slash. And then I don't really care for EDM, so I got a Billie Eilish expansion pack. Which okay. I- <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. <laughs> I feel like this is a good workout. It it is like I'm like sweating from it, and that's how I'm internally justifying this purchase because I'm like, of course, I don't need another like. What am I gonna do? Like, put it next to the Xbox and the Nintendo Switch that are like the Switch I had to blow dust off to play this week, like because Animal Crossing was being updated. But yeah, you can play like you can play all that good stuff. But there's also this insane thing which is called VR chat, which is basically you are an avatar. You can walk around. There's strangers there and you can go to different worlds with these strangers and you can play games and there's lots of different games. I made friends with a Colombian teenager, shout out Blaze, who was so kind to me and taught me how to use my controls and change my avatar. And then we went to like a squid game world with a bunch of, I think I went to squid game world with like a giant chimpanzee, like a stick of butter and like a tiny like bunny girl and then my friend Blaze. Yeah, you basically like you're in the dorm of Squid Game and then you walk through like a portal and you're in the first Squid Game game, the red light, green light. And you basically have to like, yeah, it, you basically just have to play the game. It was I mean, I'm so confused about that red light, green light game. It really was. Uh, this will be the only spoiler I think we'll include just because it is the first episode and this really isn't a huge spoiler. But it's like basically they have this group of like five, 400 and something people, 500 people. No, 456 people. 
precisely. (laughs) They play this game of red light, green light. And the way that they play red light, green light hits real different than ours. And that it's a song that you sing instead of saying red light or green light. Because the, the, you know, the wild part about red light, green light, where we're from, is that you, someone, the person who says green light and red light, they can go off. They can say green light and then pull a red light on you so quickly. But this is this song. It is the same length every fucking time. And I'm watching these, you know, 456 people not be able to play a children's game. It drives me nuts. And that is the premise of the show. I will say other than that, my like main thing was like, why didn't people just start like fucking in the main room to intimidate people? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is a tactic if you want to eliminate more players from the game, I guess. is just keep them up all night with uh, guttural, animalistic banging. Just like I would have been more rude in the main room. Yeah. (laughs) That would have been my thing. I don't know. (laughs) Great show, though. I really highly recommend. And guys, please just like watch it in Korean with the right English subtitles or whatever subtitles you need because it's way better that way. Just Mm -hmm. grow up. And, mm-hmm. and watch a goddamn piece of entertainment. Okay. Can we do some updates on this kidney gate thing and then pretend like we're leaving it behind us? <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> By the way, I'm absolutely not leaving this by me and that $500 reward still stands. Okay. So the Grub Street founder, this is all comes from my girl kidney gate. I have no idea if kidney gate is how they identify, but when I think of them, I think my girl Kidney Gate. Sure. So Kidney Gates is the leading source, I would say, at this point for keeping everyone updated on this. So the Grub Street founder and director, executive director, Eve Bridberg, sent this email out. So what she says in her email, part of it at, at the very end anyway, says we are committed to handling this situation with clear-eyed self-reflection and integrity. Toward that end, we have initiated an internal review by an independent third party to conduct a thorough assessment of our own actions, policies, and practices. We appreciate your patience as we work to address this moment by leaning into our values and focusing on our mission. In the meantime, our important work continues with and our regular newsletters and class announcements will resume next week. Thank you for your support with gratitude. So did they shut down? Yeah, I don't I don't really fully understand what the context of that is. I mean, I think that might have been an internal email. Mm-hmm. So there's also a there's also one woman who was part of this whole thing who apologized. Her name's Becky. Did you see Becky's apology? I didn't. So Becky apologized and basically was like, I was a part of the Chunky Monkeys. I quit the Chunky Monkeys. I'm out. She's the only one who said that. Everyone's saying, like, we should accept Becky's apology. I don't think it's really her explanation, I guess. Becky Is this going to be the new touched. why I quit BuzzFeed? <laughs> like Chunky Monkeys one by one being like, no. why I quit the Chunky Monkeys. I wish, monkeys. dude. I wish. <laughs> So she wrote in a thread on October 11th, Oof, this is hard, friends. Here it goes. I've been a member of the Chunky Monkeys writing group as featured in the now famous Bad Art Friends saga. As of today, I'm no longer a member of this group. The group was formed one decade ago in spite of much portrayal of us as 
catty, backstabbing, elitist, etc. The truth is the members of this group are kind, supportive, generous, and have been a source of support, humor, and camaraderie for me and many others for a long time. I took a break from the group when I left the Boston area in 2013. Therefore, I never saw the story at the heart of the scandal in the workshop. I did not participate in any discussion of this story until it was finally published. I want to say on record that I always loved this story. I was proud of Sonia for writing it, thrilled to see it getting recognition I felt it deserved. My understanding of the legal issues was superficial. All I knew was that Sonia was and is a good friend, an absolutely generous, funny, warm, and loving person. Good things were starting to happen for her, and she was mired in some kind of legal shit that would not let up. Everything I've ever said to her in email or elsewhere was with the understanding that I was supporting my wonderful and talented friend throughout a truly awful situation. Over the past week, like many of you, I've been glued to Twitter, watching one piece of information after another come to the surface. I'm not going to weigh in on it. Suffice it to say, I owe Don Dorland an apology. I'm sorry for the role that I played here. I'm sorry I didn't make a greater attempt to learn her side of the story. Most of all, I'm sorry that I did not intervene to defuse a situation that I believe I that I believe did not have have to come to this. I also want to acknowledge that Don was a student at Grove Street, where I've also been a student and a teacher, and where I am now a consultant. There is no world in which any student should feel anything other than nurtured and protected when they sign up for a writing class. I love this. If you're a beginning writer, or even a seasoned writer, watching all of this with horror, please know this is 100% not the norm. To which I did reply on the Trend, trend Lightly account, obviously, or you'd all be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then she goes on to, like, offer some... I, you know, honestly, the writing advice was like a bit much for me. Like, calm down. Like, I don't think anyone is looking to you for advice right now, Becky. But like, I, I listen, she is the first one to break ranks. Mm-hmm. And we have to appreciate that. Grub Street also sent out an official letter saying that they are going to be doing an independent investigation. What is being portrayed right now in the news is not something that they really would normally stand for. And everyone should know that. A lot of people are confused about why they're not making an apology or Sonia's not making an apology. And guys, like, they are all actively in a lot of legal trouble right now. So right. any sort of admission of guilt, including a sorry, <laughs> would yeah. really screw them over. So they're having this independent investigation done because, as we know, the HR department at Grub Street was corrupt. But one thing I thought was interesting is that there's still so much intimidation going on with people who are speaking out about this. A lot of people being accused of shit stirring for caring, a lot of downplaying or even diagnosing people who would care about this, which I feel is just like further gas. Like, why do you care that people care? There's people who care about shit all over Twitter. <laughs> why is this? Why is this the thing that you have to kill? But there's been this. You know, one guy, I'm not going to say his name, I will link this, who had an exchange with a famous author where he said, do we even know that she really donated that kidney? This <gasps> was like back, this was back, you know, maybe four or five days ago. And then this famous author responded, this is a good question. Is this a Munchausen organ donation? Oh, Jesus. So he had also said previously, this is his tweet that says... This was 
on um, the 12th, he replied to someone who was basically saying to him, like, what is your deal? Why are you so anti-Don? He wrote, I don't know Don Dorland. Why would I tweet this? So Kidneygate comes through. On May 2nd, 2017, Don Dorland posted to her Facebook, I just got into Tin House Workshop with Matt Johnson. And then this very same person who just says he doesn't know Don Dorland responds to it four years ago, it's marked, and says, yes. And Don Dorland replies with a heart. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I mean, I think we're really scraping the bottle of the barrel here, I suppose, where even people are accusing her of not having a kidney, but uh, not having donated the kidney. I mean... <clears throat> she has our kidney. I think that's pretty clear. But yeah, I mean, thank you to our girl Kidneygate for dredging up the receipts. Because, like, I, I just don't understand the purpose of lying about never having met someone or not knowing them when you have actively interacted with them on Facebook. Yeah, although is it just that one interaction? Because I suppose, like, if you're in this, like, writery circle, it could have been a fly-by-the-night thing. Like, if that's the only interaction, and how many people do you meet networking that you don't ever think about ever again? But that's different than I don't know them. That's true. I mean, maybe it's a Mariah Carey, I don't know them, but <laughs> I don't know. Listen, it's the the fine details of it are mm, just the, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Kidneygate. You ruined my life. The saga continues. <laughs> so this story is really fun. Let's get off the Don Dorland kidney gate thing. Go donate your kidney, guys. Just go do it. If you have a kidney, if you, if you <laughs> meet the requirements, go donate a kidney. I don't know what else to say. Uh, it's, it seems to be very fulfilling. But have you heard of No Bones Day? This is the cutest thing and a beautiful metaphor for... How sometimes we wake up in the mornings. I found I'm I saw this grumpy. on TikTok. Are you a I'm, very grumpy morning person? I'm rude and grumpy <laughs> in the morning. Don't talk to me for like two hours. And you know, when people make fun of like don't speak to me until I've had my coffee, people, um, some of us have a disease. Okay. I don't know what it is, but I really do. It's an affliction that I've had my entire life where I'm just not nice in the morning. And if I could change it, I would. It's it's harmed relationships. Are you mean? I think I'm grumpy. I don't know if I'm like, yeah, I think I'm grumpy and groggy. I think my husband will tell you in a very sweet way because he thinks that everything I do is marvelous. But I think I'm mostly just like disorientated. But I've met right. mean morning people. Like, I think I'm hard on myself about it. But honestly, I'm not mean unless you get in my face. like I don't like being woken up early and like being asked a list of questions I it's like the first thing you know god love my mom but when you walk into her kitchen sometimes a lot of questions in the morning yeah my mother was the very same is uh, still the very very same we'll have like we would have especially as a teenager when all you want to do is sleep my mom would come before she would go to work and like talk to me and I would have zero recollection of anything that was discussed whatsoever it would be ludicrous I think all moms also share it's a gene that I think sprouts within you after you have a child 
and it can no longer close a cabinet door at a reasonable sound ever, <laughs> especially earlier in the day. That yeah. is when your gene is is the strongest. Just lots of cabinet slamming. Not intentional either. Just like for a morning person getting their day going, like, yes, if you're on your groove, I could absolutely see you slamming the cabinets. I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't have it in me. So this no bones day slash bones day thing all started when this man, John Grans, Graz, I guess that's his TikTok name. He started to tell people about his dog Noodle's morning ritual. And Noodle is a 13-year-old pug. And, you know, sometimes when he wakes up in the morning, he just doesn't want to use his bones. And so when John will go to pick up this dog, he will have either no bones or bones, meaning he'll sit up or not sit up at all. He just dead weights, which is so cute, by the way. Yeah, he flops in a very endearing way. But just dogs, like especially little dogs deadweighting in general, it's always cute because it's like, God, that is their number one trick. <laughs> they really do know how to harness that ability like no one else. Yeah, my little dog, she gets very she gets very stiff. So she has like extra bones when she doesn't want to do something and just kind of like freezes into a into a position where she's like, a, I don't know. It's just this like weird, like hard little ball of like nothingness. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So cats have something similar where they turn liquid. Yeah. Liquid cats. Love and liquid I think cat. it's kind of like that. I mean, they're, listen, they're very, all small pets, all these domesticated small pets, they're very strange and they're smarter than all of us. And I really hate the idea that, you know, trainers push this, scientists push this. It's wrong. They are smarter than us. They are smarter <laughs> than us. And they are capable of more complex thoughts than us. And they are very manipulative in a way we could never be. And mm -hmm. I just won't, I refuse to hear it. Sorry, science. So let's listen to a classic Bones Day. This is September 14th, a great, a great Bones Day. Good morning, everyone. It's been a minute, but we are back with another round of No Bones to see, oh, it's not looking promising this morning, I gotta say. Another round of No Bones to see if Noodle has bones. Oh my God, he's got bones. He's got bones <laughs> this morning. I can't believe it, you guys. Buy that lottery ticket, file that divorce, quit that job, do whatever you were planning to do, but we're too scared to do. You have good luck for the rest. Look at that. Confirmed bones. And now I had to go in for some uh, celebratory belly rubs because he's the sweetest man there's ever been. And he's got bones. And I'm so happy about that. So basically it is the barometer of whether or not a day is going to be a good day. Is it a bones day or not a bones day? And this is no longer just in John's house. This is a movement. Mm -hmm. I love that it's evolved into this. It's like the equivalent of like sometimes I wake up and I check my CoStar app to see what my horoscope says for that morning. But it'll determine basically the entirety of the rest of my day. When it tells me that I'm going to have problems with thinking, I'm like, okay, you're right. I will. Thank you very Wait much. Wait a minute. Can I cock block you here? I actually think CoStar is an incredibly negative app and I don't want my friends on it. Oh, really? I think CoStar is so negative. 
Because I'm a big astrology girl, but I'm big in sort of not punishing myself with it. Like things can be true about me. I love a retrospect. I love finding out what happened the day before mm-hmm. and me, like me trying to like process what, what happened through some of those guidelines, right? But CoStar, maybe it's just the combo of my signs. Maybe it's something, but it had such hater energy for me. It's because it's is it because of like the power in XYZ problems with XYZ because there's always like problems every day. Yes. Like I yeah. think when I signed up, it was like you were gonna have problems with your relationships and money for the next three months. Because oh, I remember yeah. like going for it. I'm like, every day? Like you want yeah. me to wake up and look at this every day that you you're like, hey, today you've kind of failed, like no matter what. Yeah, yeah, I I totally I totally get that. I totally get that. It is one of the only. I'm a big fan of Harney Nichols. She's probably my favorite. Like those are my like affirming horoscopes that I get because there's never anything, there's never anything bad in Harney Nichols. Like that every day is like chef's kiss. Like every day she tells me to kill it. But yeah, I I could see the hater energy in in that. I would much rather be doing bones or no bones as a barometer. That's for, for sure. sure. Well, okay. How about do you use the moon for crypto and for your AMC? <laughs> like the actual physical moon? Do I do I base my decisions on the moon? Yeah. Do you respect the rock? As I, I respect the fuck out of the moon. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I definitely feel like the crypto patterns and the moon are like dead ass like there's this one chick I follow who I don't know I guess she got canceled but like I'm not interested in looking into that as long as she's telling me about <laughs> when I should and shouldn't sell my crypto but like to the day like she was like October 6th there's gonna be a drop off before a <gasps> massive spike up again like she's she's got me dude it's really she's really next level and I'm big on that oh we we're need both to apes discuss. by the way if yeah. anyone's listening and you're new, we're both total apes. And Bye. we are in the Discord. Big time. Big time. <laughs> and speaking of, I mean, if you're going to get your birth chart from anybody, it should be from the the OG mod of a- AMC Discord chat himself, who was a, quote, trained astrologer and will give you your birth chart if you send him the time of day you were born. And this man really is. He's like the Trisha Paytas of <laughs> AMC Discord because he can he has so many past lives. Like the things that he brings up are crazy. Like I just found out about his divorce last week. What? I didn't know about that. Yeah, he has he has a wife. They're still really good friends, but they got divorced a couple of years ago. Wow. He follows you on Twitter, doesn't he? Which I wish I had never done it. I wish I'd never <laughs> followed him because now I cannot subtweet. Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. I yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I've never I never would say anything like cruel about him. No, I love him. Yeah, but I I feel like there's so much to snark on with this guy. Yeah. Yes. Very true. I don't. I I mean, hopefully he isn't a listener. No. I mean, I don't think he would know it was him even if he was listening. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because like our description of him doesn't match up with what he thinks of himself. So we'd be like, that's inaccurate. That's not me. (laughs) Okay. So let's listen to an example. This is 10-9, a classic no bones day. And a no bones day isn't as, it's not the hell that you would think. It's just a different sort of approach to the day. 
Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to yet another round of No Bones, the game where we find out if my 13-year-old pug woke up with bones. And as a result, we find out what kind of day we're going to have. <laughs> oh, a soft collapse this morning, like a sweet little angel feather. Okay, uh, it's a No Bones morning, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that just means... You have permission to flop today, whatever that means to you. If you need to flop, if you need to be a flop, flop on plans, you can flop. Um, I tried it again. Sure enough, a definitive flop on his end. It's... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Noodle just got rid of a demon. When he does that, we say he's getting rid of a demon. And I think that means that you have to get rid of your demons. You have to address your demons, confront your demons, whatever they might be, whether it's a screenplay or a crappy neighbor. Oh, my gosh. Don't get rid of them, but just, like, address it. Tell him he's bothering you. So, you know, this is, you can tell, I think you can tell, maybe our friend John is just incredibly intuitive, but you can tell this man has been around the block with tarot yeah, psychics and such, because he's saying like, listen, the death card doesn't literally mean death, you know, no bones, (laughs) no bones doesn't mean it's a terrible wash of a day. It just means don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Give yourself permission to flop. So John, he updated us with some more information about Noodle and how all of this happened. And I just, I really am happy for him. There's sometimes people who blow up on TikTok and you just have like a weirdness and you're like, oh, I think that person might be evil, but we'll let this play. Like Aunt Amanda with the bell peppers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then it turned out she was like a massive like Trumper, but not just a regular MAGA type, like a like a fuck you type. That was very heartbreaking when the woman, the Italian woman who would spoon cream cheese into bell peppers and sprinkle them with everything, (laughs) everything seasoning and also hot sauce. Uh, which, by the way, slaps. I have made that many times. So, you know, sometimes you do have to borrow recipes from bad people. But, <laughs> like, you know, sometimes you get this feeling that, oh, oh God, this person's going to turn. I actually think John might be really great. I hope the fame does not, you know, inflate his ego too much. This is a lovely little update from him. Good morning, everyone. So... If you're wondering right off the bat, I'll tell you it is a no bones day, but I'll get to that in a second. First, I just wanted to say thank you all so much for the enthusiasm and for how much fun you guys have been having with these videos. I'm beside myself. I'm having so much fun watching all the stitches and looking at your mentions. And I'm like, you know, I this we've just been doing this for years. Like I adopted Noodle when he was seven and a half years old. And we learned very early on that when he doesn't want to go on walkies, he will he will not go on walkies. And we it's just insane to be able to share this with you guys and to see the response. So I really appreciate it. And then second, we, we were going to film a No Bones this morning, but Noodle really calls the shots whether we do it or not. Um, it, he just has to be like a special kind of mushy. It's very, the bones, you can't just force the bones, right? The bones have to be ready. Um, but I can't wake him up. He's sound asleep. So it's a No Bones day. God bless. Oh, what a sweet angel. Like, what delightful energy. So, like, this is almost as if, you know, like, with Couch Talk, the way everyone got into it, this is a guy that's, like, willing to play back, which is wonderful. And so, not just, you know, our TikTokers making Bones and No Bones Day TikToks. He's really encouraging it and very supportive of the community. I'm including some just examples of that 
in the bio of the show or the description, I believe it's called. But so there's this one Swifty who, you know, I have a very hard time with a lot of the Swifty community generally as a Swifty. And I've been following her since the very beginning. I really enjoy her. Sometimes she can be a little bit of a scold and I don't like that. But generally, I like her. She is from New Hampshire, which will always get you. I don't like New Hampshire, but I do like New England people like myself. (laughs) I do. I have a weird hatred towards New Hampshire. Judge me. But I've enjoyed watching her sort of grow up over the last year and a half. And she's living in Arizona with her boyfriend. She's in nursing school. And she made this TikTok that was a bone surprise for me. And so I want to... Just applaud her growth and say that, Bailey, I know you don't listen to this and you don't even know who I am on TikTok, but I feel like I've turned a corner with you. Let's play this. Let's have some coffee talk. So today's kind of a rough day. Yesterday, I failed for the first time in my entire program a surgical competency for a laparoscopic cholecystectomy, and I have to retake it today. And guys, this is really killing me. I'm sure a lot of you have figured out by now that I am... A little difficult on myself and I expect nothing but the best for myself and so to have failed something is really uh, I'm struggling so I'm retaking today and today is a bones day so I'm really hoping that because today is a bones day I'm, I'm gonna get through this I think I can do it um, I, I feel like I can do it so thank God for bones days But wish me luck because um, I'm really scared and I could use the support. So have a great day, guys. Bailey, I hope you did well on your quiz, even though you probably hate me for my fan fiction bullshit behavior regarding Taylor Swift. (laughs) And I've had a laparoscopic laparoscopic cholecystectomy myself personally, so I can weigh in as someone without a gallbladder. I assume it's very complex to take one out. Yeah. So wait, tell me about that. Did you donate it altruistically? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was a whole drama about it. I don't know if you've had. Uh, Yeah, I had my uh, gallbladder out a few years ago. It was um, it was really weird. I had gallstones and I didn't know what it was. And I kept going to the hospital. And then eventually I diagnosed myself because I was going I was so jaundiced. I was getting yellower and yellower. And it was a time when I was fake tanning quite a lot. And then my husband came to stay and because he lives in a different country and I was like yellow (laughs) with like yellow eyes and I was like I was basically kind of dying and (laughs) I diagnosed myself oh my god yeah isn't that like what I mean it is not very similar to what happens to people with bad kidneys like it's or is that liver I think liver because it's the uh the gallbladder is right above and near the liver because what it does is it holds the bile which is like the soap that's used for digestion so like if you're imagining that the food is kind of washing through your digestive system the soap breaks down the fats and the soap is the bile so the gallbladder holds the bile but it also sometimes can act up and it can get gallstones and because like gastric issues in general are very com like they can be a whole host of things they're kind of complex like that it's often like misdiagnosed like over and over again. But um, I went and I, we basically went to the emergency room and I had morphine for the first and last time. And I was like, holy shit, this is the nicest thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) I would go through pain again 
of that magnitude for somebody for a kindly nurse to shoot me up with a bunch of morphine because I was like this is the best thing I've my body has ever felt it's yeah I want to do that it's so good and you know when I was in recovery post-surgery they like whipped it out like it's all it's all gone when I was in recovery they were giving me this stuff called Oromorph which is like like liquid edible morphine that was blackcurrant flavored and my god oh if I could get a bottle of that on a Friday night I would be so happy I mean what are we gonna do to get some goddamn morphine around here I I know you can't buy drugs anymore either by the way if you guys are still buying drugs out there get a life it's over drugs are done (laughs) unfortunately drugs are canceled you can't do them anymore can't even take a Xanax from a friend anymore you guys and I mean that you you know you just you can't it's very (laughs) scary we're living in a scary world but yeah, just wait for one of your organs to turn on you and have a fantastic day. That's my advice. But I mean, yeah. Yeah, or DM. You know what I mean? Like, feel free to DM if you're a doctor who's feeling generous with morphine. I will do a squid game type thing for that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, this actually is a nice segue for yeah. our next story. So we've talked about Molly Lambert before on this podcast, but she wrote a fantastic profile for GQ this week called True Romance, Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, our Hollywood's hottest new power couple. And I mean, I'll just say my quick little thing on them is they are such a throwback romance. Mm. You really don't get to see people characters this large living out their love this earnestly anymore no and it's so nice that it's happening concurrently with Courtney and Travis unbelievable two for one two for the it's like it's honestly it's like if Matt and Ben and Gwyneth and Winona were like lit (laughs) yeah and a beautiful like the forever combo of a like stone cold Fox, Megan Fox, uh, or Courtney, like both like beautiful, like eye-wateringly beautiful women with like slightly grubby charismatic men. I live for it. Did you see that Courtney apparently, this is according to the Daily Mail, threw a fit on a commercial flight over (gasps) the weekend because she, you know, Travis is now willing to fly with her. If you've never read Travis Barker's memoir, Can I Say?, you got to buy it on Audible. He like cast someone to read his book that's just like doesn't fit his tone at all, but like <laughs> sounds way cooler than him, but also does all these voices. And you should just read his book because I had a major crush on him in high school. And I, every day I survive knowing that Courtney Kardashian is with the man I thought I was going to marry when I was 15. So <laughs> please read it for me. It's also just very good. It's very, it's very good. And he's been around forever. So he has great stories. But Courtney, she is flying, making, you know, helping Travis feel comfortable flying. So they're flying commercial flights because private is would obviously make Travis nervous, don't you think? Right. So they are sitting in those like huge new pod type seats that they have on planes. And I guess he dropped his phone. And while like he didn't move or panic about it, Courtney was like in the, in the middle of the aisles, like the flight crew had to break apart the seats to get his phone for him. Oh, and I'm guessing he was just like, 
on some, I don't mean, I think he's sober, but I would say like probably on a shit ton of like, I don't know, maybe stoned or took a flight Zan. I mean, given that he almost died and subsequently watched a bunch of people die in a plane crash, I mean, it would take a full, like I would have to be fully sedated if that happened to me to get me on a plane. I don't know how I'd feel if my significant other was like having a freak out, even about something as small as a phone next to me. I think it would drive me into a full scale panic attack. And maybe he was just like doing some transcendental meditation and didn't even realize, but <laughs> I, you know, I I kind of think that based off of everything that happened with Scott, Courtney wouldn't ask him to like break his sobriety to get on a plane. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know, but these couples are really in it. I saw someone I on Twitter say something like, they always look like their parents just dropped them off for a date. <laughs> it's so, it's actually really quite sweet. It's like people said that it's like uh, Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton, but for Zoomers. Totally. Absolutely. Which, by the way, is like, that's a meme relationship. There are relationships that were memes before I think memeing was a thing. And, mm. There were Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly are now a meme to the point that even if there wasn't social media, they would still be considered that sort of archetype, part of that blueprint for a couple that will be referenced in comedy sets and monologues 20 years from now. Yeah. And I mean, if you've seen the I am weed memes going around at the moment, that took me like a hot sack to figure out what that was from because I saw it before I saw the before I saw the piece and then before I saw the subsequent stuff. But essentially when Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox first met, she said that she was kind of wherever they were. She looked up and there he was and he was this sort of pale ghostly figure. And she said to him, you smell like weed. And then he said, I am weed. And then he disappeared as if he was a, a ninja throwing a smoke bomb, like into the, into the night, into the nether. I mean, like, I don't want to be awful but like this has been said before I think I used to say this like (laughs) like I used to hand out t-shirts at Bonnaroo that said I am Molly on them so like I I feel like this is like a thing that's been around but it's being like attributed to him I feel like this is from a movie or something yeah yeah I think like for me the like the extra the extra bit of shine on this I suppose is that like Megan Fox is like a grown woman (laughs) and to be taken in by a line such as this by a pale and ghostly young man seems a little absurd to me given that she is well you've never met your twin flame so that's true that's true I mean I would say that like I love my husband he is not weed so maybe something's amiss here I don't know yeah maybe you should work on that Billy (laughs) that's just my note to you I know you listen you sicko you have some things to work on okay wait should we read some of these tweets yeah and we should also I would love to play the Megan Fox talking about Machine Gun Kelly's birth chart yes of course so I, I mean listen can we just like address one thing of this is that she's only four years older than him, but it does feel Ugh. kind of sick. Yeah, it feels okay, like a chasm. She's, <laughs> she's so much more together than he is in every way. Yeah. 
And he's like clearly fucked up. And I don't think she's fucked up. No. No, although she did do a show on Discovery Plus where she investigates, I wanted to say tunnels. It's not tunnels. She does a show where I think she investigates alien stuff. I haven't seen it, but I'm desperate to. Yeah, no, I, I think like she's a sort of maybe psychedelics type person. Yeah. Or, you know, obviously we know, or I don't know if that's obvious or maybe I'm just sick, but we know they did ayahuasca the day before they went to that red carpet premiere where they he had a black tongue and she oh. was basically naked, which oh, is like... Yeah. She's like, I'm on ayahuasca, and they put me in this outfit, and I'm like, I cannot think of a worse. (laughs) Being famous, I'm telling you, they earn every dollar. They really do. They earn every dollar. So some tweets, Megan Fox and MGK bravely answering the question, is it possible to be so annoying that you stop being hot? (laughs) (laughs) The next guy to tell me I am weed is my new boyfriend. Can't wait for our dog fairy tale, babe. And then, yeah, I mean... I am weed Shakespeare. Listen, this is by Machine Gun Kelly himself. So they're they love they love how cringy this is. They know they're embarrassing. Of course, you know you're embarrassing when you're like adults citing true romance as like some sort of like emotional representation of your ro- like romantic life. And I say that as someone who did that for a very long time and even has the tattoo to prove it. <laughs> it's it's like. <laughs> It's very childlike. And also, True Romance is Travis's favorite movie because he named his daughter Alabama. Any day now he's going to leave Courtney. Any day now. And then you'll be right there, ready. I think so. But no, I don't. I actually am very happy for them. And I don't think I could be enough of a supportive presence for him. So here's the video from the GQ Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly ask each other 40 questions. That is definitely worth your time. If you go down to the, mm-hmm. if you go down to the links in the description, here is this TikTok where she explains it all. What's my sun sign? Your sun is Taurus. Your moon is Pisces. Your rising is Gemini. You have a stellium of planets in Pisces. Your sun is in the 12th house, which is the house that's ruled by Neptune, which is the ruler of Pisces. You're very Piscean and you're very Gemini, very morose. And the moods are very intense, but I know the whole chart. Okay. Well, obviously you win this game, but we're going to finish this out just for the people. Okay. I mean, that's definitely (laughs) me telling Sonia Larson, all the things that are wrong in her (laughs) affidavit. You can learn anything if you're desperate enough to get that information in there. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, someone in the comments said, and it's so true, and once I heard it, I couldn't unhear it, that it has the same energy as when Courtney dressed as Kim and was like, my pants are Yeezys. <laughs> my... My sneakers are easy. I have a million stylists who put me in <laughs> joggers every day. It does have an Same OOTD energy. vibe to it. By the way, is that your American <laughs> accent? Do more. <laughs> I think that was just my vague Courtney. <laughs> can you do – can you say something in American? In American, in oh. English, in American <laughs> accent? Jesus fucking Christ. I sometimes, uh, here's a confession, I do little characters for my husband, we have a few. I have a woman from New Jersey who runs a nail bar, but I probably won't be able to do it because I haven't been watching a lot of like Jersey-based content, but I used to do his nails and I would like do stuff, like I would do his eyebrows <laughs> and I'd be like, welcome to Angie's Beauty Bar, I'm going to do Oh my God, some. that's really good. <laughs> And I also, I have one, nev I just want to say on the record, like none of these are used in any sort of intimate role play. They're for humor only. But I have one called Daisy May, who's a Southern Belle, who's just, she's just like so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here. It's so delightful. I love this. Oh my God. Bless the your vowels heart. are on point though. Like that's the hardest part <laughs> is the vowels. Wow. You're really the next Juno Temple, aren't you? <laughs> I'm coming for you, America, and you won't know what's my real voice and what's my not real voice. Okay, wait. So this will lead us into the next story, Sprinklegate. <gasps> this is a great story for international relations. I don't know if you know, but in my country. In my, in my country, country. I love it when you say in my country because it sounds like, I don't know. I mean, it's very like Borat of you. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. My little parochial, local, sweet little country. <laughs> we have like, we have like some different regulations on things that we can, and things that we're allowed to eat and drink, usually for, our, for the benefit of our health. And one of the things that we don't have, like we have different to America is that we have different sprinkles, like sprinkles for cakes and stuff like that. And this week, a UK bakery went viral because they had been using basically illegal American sprinkles. They'd been importing sprinkles from America to use them on their cakes. Somebody had shopped them in to Trading Standards, which is like the, oh God, I guess it's our equivalent of like Better Business Bureau or something. Okay. Like, you know, a kind of regulatory body. Some anonymous person had shopped them in. Who would do and, this? Uh, some kind of sad little creature for using these sprinkles. And I think it's because of the e-numbers that are in the sprinkles that aren't allowed to be sold and used in the United Kingdom. So is that like how we have like red number five? Uh-huh. Yeah, we don't have that. So like red number five used to be controversial when I was little. And it's like the red dye that they use in candy. And they changed that. Mm -hmm. But red is, red's a consistent problem. Yeah. Yeah, because I think they would used to make it out of wasn't it like crushed beetles that would That's be the... what they use for raspberry. Oh. But I don't okay. think they so much do that anymore, but it used to be like to get Oh no, that was beaver anal glands. 
<laughs> delicious. Yeah. And is it because I guess it makes kids really hyperactive and causes behavioral issues? Yeah, I think it was like it's bad for kids was the thing. And they didn't really tell us why. I mean, it's certainly not Roundup, but like they definitely made us feel like we were <laughs> eating some sort of pesticide. Well, I yeah. I mean, I'm down for the one thing that I really do enjoy is that when I go to the US and like sometimes I go for like an extended period of time, even though I haven't been allowed in the country for over a year, but I really enjoy going like just putting my body through the ringer when it comes to like the things I will put into my body that we just don't have in this country. Like what? Well, like <laughs> from the very, very boring stuff, like I really like going to CVS and buying, first of all, you can't buy melatonin in my country. So I was buying melatonin and smuggle that back. What? Also, I know this is like, this is crazy too. So like, you know, when you get like a bottle of like Advil or, you know, whatever, some kind of ibuprofen or paracetamol, uh, acetaminophen, yeah. they'll come in like a bottle of like 150 or something there, right? Yeah. They have restrictions on the amount that you can buy in this country. So I think you can only buy like 12 at a time. I think I remember dealing with that when I went there. Yeah. Being like, why? Why? But you're, but you do have stronger aspirin. Yeah. Like you sell Tylenol 8 on the shelves. Yeah. And I think you can get, you can get Cocodamol pretty like pretty readily and easily from like under the counter but you can just buy regular like diluted cocodamol on the shelves and there was a whole guardian article i read a few years ago which was about people in the uk who were addicted to opiates who were extracting uh the codeine from cocodamol because it's the it's the paracetamol that fucks up your liver it's not necessarily the opiate so people with like these habits were basically buying off the shelf stuff and distilling the paracetamol out of it and then just taking the opiate but yeah there's there's lots of little like and I also I really love um I constantly have indigestion when I'm in the US (laughs) from the moment I land (laughs) to like the time I get back so I'm a big fan of the CVS uh squishy like fruity gummy antacids like that I eat them like they're candy oh delicious I mean listen CVS really is a hot spot And it's okay that they don't sell cigs anymore because that place is still my happy place. I could spend four or five hours in a CVS easily. And they still have like, they still have like a K-beauty section in quite a few CVSs, right? Yeah, they just added that. Like I would say the last two years. So if anything, it's expanded. The beauty section at CVS is just completely, completely changed. It's like better than Rite Aid now. I just I'm obsessed like all I want and I know that you have a fact like you have a thing where you would like go and look at stuff in drugstores for hours on end like my greatest wish is that one day we meet in person and we just go to a CVS oh, yeah, for the I afternoon. love to lay in the aisles I'll sit down I'll camp out I read all the labels <laughs> sometimes you'll lose me just to staring at the chunky soups for an hour like it's really it's really a thing I love CVS I just feel so safe there maybe because I've been doing it since I was a child and like they don't kick you out. There's no rush. Like you can just really space out and, and look yeah, at all the different be. labels. Yeah. I would love to do that with you. But yeah, so this guy had his illegal spranks. I'm going to bump on something in this article before we even get into that. A birthday Bruce. Please, you have to exp- – <laughs> uh, why is it called a birthday Bruce? Also, what is up with that sort of like pedophile-looking caterpillar cake you guys have? 
Oh, Colin. Yeah, Colin is the one. His name is Colin. You know, Colin the caterpillar. Yeah, <laughs> he's the OG. There's a whole. I don't know if you know, but there's there's a there was a whole drama in this country like this year. I don't know. Time is a flat circle right now, but Aldi made their own version I think that was called Cecil the Caterpillar and M&S the originator of the Colin the Caterpillar cake was suing for like use but there's loads of different ones like every supermarket in the UK has its own version of the Caterpillar cake there's like Clyde the Caterpillar Cecil there's like a Lady Caterpillar for one of them oh wait I just figured out it's like Fudgy the Whale like how we have Carvel cakes like Fudgy the Whale is like Carvel, and but no one would dare to rip that off, nor would they rip off Cookie Puss or his Irish cousin <laughs> Cookie O Puss. I've never heard of Cookie O Puss. Cookie O Puss that. is his Irish cousin, and he would come out, and maybe I just know that from you know being from Massachusetts, where I believe Carvel started. But you gotta love Carvel, that delicious white trash ice cream. It's the most delicious thing in the world. But a birthday Bruce, okay, so. We've. I think this is unique to Get Baked, who are the bakery. Also, this this got me thinking that like, why is it that it's always a fucking bakery that goes viral? Like, why is it always a bakery? Anytime there's like a weird story. People love sweets. Yeah. It's also so innocent. Yes. Although I, I will say there's something about this trend in food and I think like Gordon Ramsay is the originator of this where he would you know do those videos where he's like steak based salt egg serve cut like that like staccato like very male like then there was that like go cook yourself and then there was like thug kitchen I have a like full body aversion to like men (laughs) like men trying to like masculinize food in some way like make it like yeah I'm in the kitchen but I'm just fucking using knives do you know what I mean right and like this this like Facebook post has like that energy because it's like a bakery that's very clearly run by a guy and like he put up this post on 3rd of October that's like just a quick heads up to let you know we're closed tomorrow for the following reasons. One, staff training. Two, need to get some other important shit done. Three, everyone's fucking knackered. This weekend has been utterly sensational. We've had a customer visits from countless cities, sold fuck tons of Bruce in various forms. Bruce. Oh, not to mention, like, I don't even know what that is. Oh, not to mention a lovely visit from Trading Standards on Friday after someone reported us for using what are apparently illegal sprinkles. More on that next week. Hope you fail. Like, it's this re- weird, like, Trumpian, vibe. Trumpian thing. But, like, also at the same time... Good for him. By the way, I could have just continued reading. It's red number three in the U.S. that I think red number five is the one that we gave thumbs up to, but red number three is the problem area. So he's pulling out ancient reds. Uh Uh-huh. From the vault, from the sprinkle vault. Because as he says, I'm extremely passionate about sprinkles. Indeed. With a few fucks sort of peppered in, sprinkled in, if you will, for good measure. So what's going to happen? 
Well, apparently they they had to take the apparently they had to take the sprinkles away to be tested, and they've now determined that the sprinkles are in fact illegal. But they've just got shitloads of more, you know, lots and lots of attention as as it goes for people going to the original post and liking the original page. So I think Get Baked will be absolutely fine. They're trading on this. They're doing interviews in the news. They're dropping a lot of fucks. Uh, birthday bruises I have no I still have no idea I still haven't figured out what that is but they will live on I'll google it <laughs> birthday Bruce let's look into this okay so might be an ex- I mean you know of course when you said that you want to do the sprinkle story I had to revisit my region's ultimate sprinkle story which is that where I'm from we don't call them sprinkles we call them jimmies Oh. And not just the chocolate ones. We call them also rainbow jimmies. And there is this ancient debate about whether or not using the term jimmies is racist. Now, at some point during the line, I don't think this is actually at all just like knowing Boston. I actually do not believe that this originated in what some people say was the Jim Crow laws. Jimmy's, mm. as I've always known them, more is about this this like guy who created them at a specific company, and his name was James. Oh, Jimmy Sprinkles. James's Sprinkles makes total sense. So, I mean, I just feel a way about this because I I'm seeing, especially you know, Boston Magazine. I think did a poll not long ago saying that they. You know, they wanted to hear from people about whether or not Jimmy's was racist. And younger people especially were saying it's categorically racist. But I think that that might be – it doesn't it seem like, oh, they're called – they're named that after Jim Crow? Like, doesn't that almost seem like something someone would make up retrospectively more than what actually happened? Yeah, it feels very – um I'm trying to think of another example, but one of those like weird rumor things that you can like an urban you pull out of your ass. Yeah, totally. That it just evolves and then and then it casts infinite doubt. I'm sure this American Life will do like a one episode special on this at some point in their lives. I mean, and it'll be very illuminating. Listen, my thing is like you know how with Gabby Petito, how she apparently allegedly referenced her grandfather as Stan in a text and now people are going nuts with it's an acronym for send the authorities now and it's like babes I think maybe now it is because y'all made that up but like I don't think that that's like actually what it is at all I don't think that's what that is so like I don't know I just I I want to hear from you guys because I really I don't feel like I should stop saying Jimmy's it feels wrong to give in to that but I don't want to be I don't want to be on the wrong side of history but like when I call them Jimmy's I just they're a delightful childhood memory that we're not a part of anything racist I don't think <laughs> I don't think well we'll find out guys Jimmy's let me know so Emily Marika are you familiar or not yes I came in via the infamous salmon ice cube video So Emily Mariko is a Bay Area creator who has blown up on TikTok really in the way that like, um, do you remember 
Janelle Eliana, the uh, the van life YouTuber that got oh, yeah. like a million yeah. subscribers after one video. Yeah. So like she's had this sort of like incredibly meteoric rise where I think she's like, you know, surpassed. Let me see how many followers she's at now. But she is she's known for making these cooking videos at her house. She's at 5.3 million followers. Her first video wasn't even that long ago. She's maybe been on TikTok for two, three months. It's not like this is some account and she finally just got noticed. So she makes these videos of herself silently preparing various meals. And and one of them is her most well-known meal. And it's the salmon bowl that she makes the night after she has salmon for dinner. And it's rice, salmon, that she puts an ice cube on top. Then mm. she puts some parchment paper around that ice cube, microwaves it for like 60 seconds, and that's to keep – what's the purpose of the ice cube? Is the purpose of the ice cube to keep – Well, I think, I think to, it must be like a steaming thing. Is it like a – it kind of steams the food? moisten the ice. But oh, okay, yeah. wait. I think Lizzo – Lizzo mentioned something about this when she did the same thing with a cupcake recently. And the purpose of putting an ice cube on top of a cupcake is to warm the cupcake, but to keep the icing cold. Mm-hmm. So we're in a and new think, era of microwaving ice cubes. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a few people try Emily's method. And because basically when she takes the salmon and rice out of the microwave and removes the parchment paper the ice cube is still intact in her video I've seen some people debunk that or maybe they're just not microwaving correctly or maybe like she has less of a uh maybe it's a San Francisco thing you know I don't think their electricity is as good they're in too tight (laughs) yeah it's too it's like much lighter electricity but Emily Mariko has turned into such a sensation and I've seen some people sort of break down why that could be. And some theories are as simple as she's doing videos that don't have any language in them. So Mm -hmm. this could be seen by anyone and could feel like personal to them, similar to those guys that cook in the woods. Right. Or just like, oh, transcends. Pleasing. There's also this sort of like accessibility to what she does. And this is shown up even in HEB, the supermarket chain in America, creating an Emily Mariko display next to the salmon freezer at their supermarkets. It has the Kewpie mayo and the sriracha and the soy sauce that she uses when she like then mushes all of this up and eats it with seaweed. Listen, this is not for me. No. The mayo itself. Like, I was going to say, should we do this? And I was like, Molly, I'm not buying. You're not buying mayo. Like, I don't eat mayonnaise. It's like, like, I honestly, it's how I feel just thinking about the idea of eating this thing. But every everyone is living for it. And another big reason why people are loving Emily Mariko is because she eats white rice. She seems to eat very full meals. It doesn't seem like a lack of diet culture, as people say. I also want to point out, just on my end, I feel like I have to do this to be a decent human. Emily Mariko is for money. 
<laughs> she has mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from a great yeah. deal of money because she, you know, knows even to cook with these whole vegetables and whole foods the way she does because she probably grew up with access and she just got engaged and got a beautiful $23,000 Cartier ring and she lives in San Francisco and I'm not really sure what she does for a living, but she certainly popped up out of nowhere overnight making these like, you know, sort of approachable recipes. Right. In a very... There is... Um, oh, God. I was going to say, there is a TikTok that I found a while ago and I was trying to dig it out to put it in the show notes for this week, but somebody broke down, I guess... <clears throat> Emily Mariko's actual factual wealth and I think she had prior to blogging like a vet like a very very good job I think her partner had a very very good job her parents came from it they kind of break it down and so your assumptions are bang on someone did the investigating I've now forgotten all about it but I forget what she did but I think she definitely worked in the city I don't know I want to say it feels like it was something in finance but I might be totally wrong but basically she has an excellent she had an excellent launch pad to be a very lovely, but, you know, standardized, thin white female influencer. She has all of the tools at her disposal. Absolutely. To be and like, also, I think everyone should remember that, like, I don't know, it comes, it comes across so easy. Everything she does, the athleisure wear, the sort of like enjoying the burger, but like also living this very healthy life at home that sort of balance is not really taught to anyone Mm -hmm. and it's sort of a state of being that you can only get from like a very emotionally healthy childhood and as much (laughs) as I would love to say to everyone go to the farmer's market and buy like 75 heads of bok choy in addition to all the seasonal vegetables and like uh, you know 10 avocados and all that stuff that she buys go ahead and do that but like you will never know this piece if you don't do some sort of serious emotional work. So this has now led to the romanticization, the romantification, (laughs) Miss Emily Mariko. So let's play this song that came up that even fans of Emily Mariko is saying, "Mm, this has gone too far. It's funny that I'm living in the same world as Emily Mariko. She's making salmon while I'm looking through my fridge for a three-day-old burrito. There goes my ego. She's probably headed to the farmer's market. I'm probably buying something dumb at Target. Bet every counter in her house is sparkling. While I don't even know what stains my carpet. Oh, I think it's funny that I'm living in the same world as Emily Mariko. Oh. So that was by a TikTok musician who goes by Salem. And I think she is one of those many artists on TikTok that sort of like makes music with the movement to see if Mm -hmm. it can pick up. I don't think it's like she really feels that way. But it's interesting because there are people already feeling like failures because they can't achieve this sort of relatable, authentic, type A, beautiful life. Yeah, the that girl. is. It's very, it falls under, I think, the that girl thing. Mm-hmm. 
which is like, you know, for those unfamiliar, there's a term that I've only really seen used like heavily on TikTok, which is the that girl, which is, you know, when you see these morning routines and it's like, I wake up at five and then I journal, then I meditate and then I go for it and I go to the gym and then I prepare my breakfast of like a chia bowl and then I start work at eight and then at lunchtime I have sushi and it's like very um, aspirational, motivational girl boss culture and I've read some really interesting things around the that girl like the that girl movement as a like it's kind of full capitalism and there are a few young tiktokers who kind of talk about not not aspiring to the that girl stereotype because what you're essentially doing is you're leaning into just a new rebranded form of like ultra what is the word that I'm looking for like ultra ultra productive sort of capitalist something like I have this theory that no one is keeping a bullet journal when they're like simply surviving right something that you do when you are feeling like you really need some inspiration to get out of like whatever dark place you're living in right now or when life is a game to you and creating like little patterns on a piece of paper like identifies as something more than what it is to you I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, and it's, mm, I don't know. Everyone has off days, right? Everybody has off days. Even Emily Mariko herself, I'm sure, is uh, is not always like on the ball, shall we say. Yeah, for sure. I just always, I would always let myself get so down about stuff like this, I think, or felt like so inadequate. And I'll tell yeah, you guys, same. listen, there's nothing sadder, I'm sure, than eating that salmon bowl and realizing that you're still in your apartment. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you're trying to buy a piece of like a a life that you admire, but I have a feeling that when it comes down to it, it's not really about the salmon bowl. No. And I think if you have a creator that you find a sort of a level of peace in that I think you can live vicariously through in some way, like if what they do is like bringing you joy in a really wholesome way, then that's like totally fine and really lovely and really, you know, when applied correctly can be very, very healthy for you. I personally have just found this like lovely family who live in an RV, which sounds like hell for my usual type of content, but they're just so wholesome that I could spend hours just like with them living their lives even though it's not something that like I personally want to do is like live in an RV and and with my with my family but yeah I mean if that's what Emily Mariko is to you the silent sort of soothing ASMR-esque kind of versions of a life that feels very intoxicating then like pop off go off enjoy yourself but like you don't have to do that. <laughs> My Emily Mariko is this guy named I think it's like Firevest is how you would pronounce it, but he's the guy who went semi-viral because he painted fish and stuck them to the ceiling of his bathroom. Oh, I've not seen him. He's this like really interesting guy who went to RISD. His name is Ryan, and I found him when he was you know, very small. And then I think Cody Co made a video making fun of this art project he had done in his bathroom. He's an, you know, he's a RISD guy, so he's an artist. And he had taken two fish and had printed them one black, one blue, and had taken them and used them as prints 
on his bathroom ceiling. So basically painted fish and stuck them to the top of his bathroom ceiling. Oh. And so Cody Co. made fun of him for this. And Cody Co. bought him a designer bag because he was like, the least you could do is buy me a bag. And I, first of all, I, I do love that. But I love this guy. I think he's really, you know, he's so, he's so curated and culturally rich. And, you know, I, I, I commented once on his page, like every, every day is a surprise with you, my friends. Like it's a unique little horror show. <laughs> I said, yeah, here it is. I said, surprising me every day, my man. And so this is a video where he poured a bottle of wine into half of a cantaloupe and ate it in the park with his friend. And like, while that looks disgusting, I think I do remember consuming something this as a child when I lived in Italy. And yes, they let me drink all the time as a child when I <laughs> Yeah, they do that. And in Europe, my God. I mean, yeah. I would as that's my Emily that. Mariko. If you want like a balding adult gay man as your Emily Mariko, I'll put him in the referrals for you right here down below. So can we get into this though? This Gabby Petito subreddit drama? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm I don't think I mean I've I opened the post. I like try to read every word. I got a headache. So like, please help break it down for me. Of course. So I did read this whole post. Essentially what happened was it was posted in subreddit drama, which is always a great place to go find little squabbles. But I haven't checked into the Gabby Petito Reddit for quite a while. I am in a discord that I like and I'll check in there. But for the most part, if I want updates, I'm just checking Brian Enden on Twitter, who's the best sort of source for this. He's been on boots on the ground since day one. News daddy. Yeah. So there was a post that was posted seven days ago, a formal apology from the remaining mod team. So this post starts by saying, hello, as many noticed, we took several days away from our Gabby Petito. We did so in order to thoroughly prepare you for the post you're about to read. In this post, you will find the following sections. One, short version of this post, and then the long version containing two, an in-depth apology. Three, what happened in timeline events. And four, explanations to common questions. And four, reassurance of what we're doing moving forward. So they took a week off to write this post. I just want to tell you <laughs> that Jesus. we've already hit two fours in the very beginning of this. So Basically, what happened is that they are very, very sorry for making a mistake because they decided to unroll some special awards. Now, if you've ever been on Reddit, you'll notice some posts are decorated with like, you know, proud looking baby seals or thumbs up or pyramids or whatever. And those are people can guild you on Reddit. That's what it's called to give someone that award. And it's typically a sign of like appreciation or you get it or whatever. And individual subs can have their own awards that you can gift. Now, the way that Reddit Karma and these sort of like tokens, awards, whatever, the way that they work is that they are internet beans at best. It's just a number on mm -hmm. your profile, which means that you are maybe a more appreciated redditor than others meaning that you've been around you've contributed on other reddits in a meaningful way and you can only gift these little awards if you buy reddit coins 
And right. what we do learn throughout the course of this is although these never translate, get the gifting of these individual Gabby Petito subreddit based awards that only exist in this subreddit. What we do learn is that while no one actually profits off of this, the mods of this Reddit are given a kickback, basically, of of extra coins so that they can then go around and decorate other posts with them when they see a good one. It's all basically very okay. dumb for something that's fucking fake. But <laughs> I think that there started to be this main character syndrome that was popping up in the Gabby Petito Reddit. And it's true. Anytime you are in one of these, this is like a little bit what I was touching on with my girl from TikTok, my Swifty back there, is like sometimes people can very much take the moral high road. And there are people, listen, I was in a Uber with one of the moderators for our puppy smiles. And I mean, I had to sit there and hear all about how great she was. And like, when I was like, oh, I'm in that Reddit too. She's like, yeah, but like, I'm really in that Reddit. And I'm like, okay, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to be better at your Reddit than you. Like it is, there is a little bit of a weird power trip that happens. So there, these awards, there was 17 awards. How would you describe this graphic design? Uh, <laughs> they are giving me GeoCities. They are giving early make your own like kitty fan site website kind of vibes. They are from a time of the internet where this wouldn't have been out of place, but they are fucking ugly, actually. They truly are the most fugliest <laughs> rewards that I've ever seen in my life. That this comes from somewhere. Like this font comes from somewhere. Our society cannot be ridded of this font. I there's it's like that Mormon font. There's no other word for it. <laughs> but some awards were like the free spirit award. When you feel like applauding someone for being refreshingly original and very cool. The kind heart award. For those comments that ooze the golden rule, common sense, and mutual respect. Okay, then Let's go into this. So the road trip and award caused a lot of controversy. And a, so it's a pink SUV surrounded by a square that says trippin in Mormon font underneath it. And it says <laughs> an award for cool things like road trips, van life, skateboarding, traveling, and whatever else you think is awesome. Could possibly it's a little be, too soon. I know, <laughs> it's a little could, too soon for that. <laughs> could possibly be used if you think someone is just tripping in general. Up to you, laughing emoji. So a lot of people were like, the fuck? But also, like, this person is so lame. Like, skateboarding? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Why are we talking about skateboarding in Gabby's subreddit anyway? Right. Like, who's bragging about their van life trip? And, like, what do you mean? And it's just, like... Yeah, not the time. <laughs> I would say that there's a massive difference between road trip, van life, traveling, and skateboarding. Like, yeah. one of these things is not like the other, dude. And then we get a one that says FBI on it with a with a... I don't anime know. looking character kind of very gender cartoony. neutral cop so it says it's no accident this is reflective 
oh, this is the great job of this is the great job award. It's no accident that this is reflective of the LE impact across the nation. Some jobs are hard, some things take time, and many things are thankless. So use this to encourage others to say that you to say thank you for what they did behind the scenes. And then there's a bunch of No thank more. you. Like No thank you. I don't want a cop award. No thank you. It's it's like brutal. And then there's like happy thoughts award. Gabby's family describes her as a ray of sunshine. It brings to mind the nursery rhyme we sang as children. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. This award is exactly for that. Like y'all are a bunch Mm. of freaks. And then of course Mm. the let it be award, which is a nod to Gabby's tattoo. So then we go to the timeline day of the incident. So after they released these flares to the community, all excited, they all went to bed. And then around mm, 3.12 a.m., the morning mod was alerted to what had been going on, which was like a bunch of people were pissed overnight that this had happened. And then another mod finally wakes up at 4.10 a.m., a mod who has the permissions to at least take down a post has the permissions at 4, 10 a.m. Because there's like baby mods, regular mods, and then like, you know, big dicks on campus. And the big dicks on <laughs> campus were all asleep. This all does come down to us eventually finding out everyone's sleep schedules. Like, it's nuts. So these people, you know, and in, in, in all fairness, it is because they live in a world where this for some reason is necessary. At least one person was soothed by this, which is absolutely insane. Just start another Gabby Petito Reddit. Like I followed the Chris and Shanann Watts case very closely. And like, there's just a multitude of Reddits on there because not everyone can drive in the Mm -hmm. same conversation. They just can't. So Yeah. yeah, this comes into a thing where basically like, We'll we'll sort of like wrap up with like the last parts of the timeline. So there's all these figures. There's all these different things. Turns out the post goes down. Then we get apologies. We're sorry that the awards were in bad taste. We're sorry that the awards derailed any conversation focused on Gabby. We're sorry that we did not handle the situation with one clear and detailed post such as this one, which is okay. So... Then this is reassurance about the future. This is my favorite section. It leads to probably the wildest thing I've ever seen in my life. It will (laughs) never happen again because many Redditors hit the nail on the head with exactly what led to this situation. And there are specific existing issues that can be addressed slash fixed slash worked on slash improved. What are we doing now? Making sure that every moderator on this team is dedicated to this sub and the case and will check in and communicate multiple times daily. Moderating this sub as usual. What are we planning to do in the future? Get community feedback on a sub on subwide ideas. Also, a voting system will be implemented with clear guidelines and timelines for moderators so that it can be seen exactly who had a hand in any actual decision going forward. There will be a clear record of who voted for what. We understand that you may not feel comfortable in this subreddit going forward. And again, we apologize for creating an atmosphere where you feel where you not feel welcome or comfortable this may be some of there may be some of you that choose to never forgive us and we understand why if you are still not comfortable in this subreddit there are multiple other subs that you may feel are a better fit for you at this time 
insert subreddits is left in in brackets. So I don't know. That never got fixed. But then we get this is just unbelievable. We get the date written out by every user that is a, a mod in this Reddit with their Reddit username signed in cursive. So I would say like Chewbacca the Wookiee, Chewbacca underscore the Wookiee written in cursive is, I mean, this is unbelievable. This has to be like our image for the episode. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, yeah, that or, I mean, there is a bit uh, that caught my eye, which is where they mentioned the phrase, our head graphic designer. And I was like, uh, who is this person and how do we contact it's them you. because I would like to commission it's me this is you trying <laughs> I to want cover to commission for shit. <laughs> <laughs> no I get it I get it no this is I mean listen it's very much you know she had an app and we all have we all have downloaded all do. those clip art apps who hasn't been guilty absolutely but I, I would mean, never feel confident enough to turn these in no, no. And I think like given the the somber nature or what should be the somber nature of a subreddit like this, which is essentially should be for like sharing news updates, just feels very deeply inappropriate to have some like cop porn like in a piece of weird clipper like awarded to you. It's like, thanks, I didn't ask and I hate it. Um, cheers. Like, what do I do with this shit? I know. Well, it's the America's daughter angle, which is like, there's one thing about yeah. really caring about this case. It's another thing to be referring to her as America's daughter. Like, if you want to know why people of color are so upset about the attention that Gabby Petito got, that's like literally mm. exactly why. Yeah. What do you, I mean, like a quick sidebar, how do you feel about people getting Gabby's tattoo tattooed on them? That to me is Oh, that is blowing. so uh, odd. I mean, let's be yeah. real with you. Like, I, you know, rest in peace, Gabby Petito. I mean, I just, I, I completely acknowledged my cringe tats earlier, but like, <sighs> let it be is something that o- truly only a 22 year old can get away with getting as a tattoo. Right. And I feel this very strange. there's a very strange thing that's happened with this case and the people who are actively following it like I remember that when Gabby's dad tweeted something and I saw a bunch of posts underneath that were like I got this tattoo for your daughter and I'm like I get that you were moved by this really awful act and I get that you were interested by it but I find it personally incredibly distasteful to get the same tattoo as someone who was like brutally murdered someone who you don't know someone right. who you've had no contact with feels like uh, like you're making someone's death where a family is grieving about you stranger on the internet right like you can have a there's one thing to have a hard time with it it is another thing it's just strange there's also totally i will note that there's this like thing that I mean, listen, this family is grieving a terrible loss and their their getting of the tattoo is like the fact that anyone would conflate that with like them getting a tattoo is just nuts. Like this isn't a tattoo party. 
Yes. Yeah. The family I totally get and I understand. And I think like a beautiful tribute to their daughter and like a lovely thing that they all did together because they knew her and she was in their lives and they've lost her and they have to live without her. And that makes absolute sense to me. But a fucking like, you know, Chewbacca underscore Wookiee or, you know, whatever. Not I'm sure they didn't do it, but, you know, whoever it is in the Twitter comment section, I'm like, but why? This isn't about you. This is about some like desperate, greater need for a purpose. And I understand it's been a long two years, but yeah, she's not your daughter. And this is definitely like Fox News's agenda, I think, also pushing this. You know, it's like very much. It almost feels like in response to anyone being upset about the fact that all of these people of color, especially indigenous people, go missing every single year. And there's no it feels like a a classic like Fox News dig that the very tone deaf might not perceive for what it is. Right. I wonder what the life of these mods will be like after this case is done. Like, what will they have? Because this has obviously consumed them to the point where they've had to write this ginormous apology about some shit clip art awards and the feeling of self-importance of, like, signing your username at the very end of it. Like, where does that energy go? It's very far gone. It's so far gone. Like, I don't know. I mean, I hope they don't plan on dating. I There's, truthfully, <laughs> people really do pick their case and dig their heels into it. Yeah. And we saw that with Elisa Lamb. Yeah. Which is, by the way, that documentary about her, about the Cecil Hotel on Netflix is a horror show. Um, And so much of it, it's just a really fucked up documentary. Like you kind of lose points with me if you don't know what's wrong about that documentary. But like the people who followed this case, there was one man who had his friend go to her graveyard in Canada in order for him to come to peace with the fact that she had actually really died. What? Yeah. It was in the documentary. Some like guy in the U S had his friend in Canada go to the grave and like put his hands on it and take a video of him doing it. So this guy could feel it was like real. Yeah. I mean, the internet's a big place, guys. I mean, there's lots and lots of stuff out there. There's a point at which you can pivot. I mean, listen, I'm telling you, this Taylor Swift, Carly Kloss rabbit hole is really fun. And I think it hurts nobody. So (laughs) feel free to enjoy that. I'm just saying. That's on Scribe, too. Reputation is about Carly Kloss. Go find it yourself. I'm I'm not getting caught linking to that. Okay, so... You want to tell me about Salt Bay? I can I tell you? I never thought Salt Bay was that hot. I'm a felon bay type girl who, by the way, we all oh, started yeah, calling yeah, yeah. the, what do we call him? Like hot, hot felon. Hot felon. Jeremy Meeks. Yeah. With he's, his beautiful he's felon <laughs> little bay. eyes. He's felon yeah. bay, you guys. That's really his name. And we all like let, so th- we got totally Mandela effect on, affected on that. So tell me about Salt Bay. Uh, Man Salt Bay, of course, famous for sprinkling salt in a really unhygienic way on cooked meat, has opened up a version of his steakhouse. I believe he has 19 steakhouses worldwide known for deeply overpriced, mediocre steaks. Well, actually, I think the steaks are all right. Actually, all the reviews have said the steaks are actually pretty decent, but otherwise very mediocre 
very overpriced food because it's just open. Salt Bay is there in London as we speak as a sort of resident seasoner at the uh, the Salt Bay House and Grill, which is just called the Nuzal Rat Grill. Um, Have you ever and been? No, hell no. Hell to the no. Definitely not. It seems like a hell house. It seems like the worst place where the worst people will congregate because everybody's going, everyone's going because it's like, um, it's a meme restaurant basically. And it's so overpriced that like the only reason you would go there is to take the Instagram video to put on your Instagram and say that you went there. But from what I understand, the whole thing is a fucking shit show. There have been a couple of slightly wild receipts that have been posted on Twitter of people who've gone there and had extortionate bills. But this one hit the news again. It's back in the news because somebody went, uh, they said it was initially a party of four, but I don't think it is because the amount of stuff ordered, there's 16 portions of baklava, so there's definitely not four people. The total bill was £37,023 or $50,000. That's insane. It's insane. So I thought to close out the show, I'm going to say some items to you and I want you to tell me how much you think they cost. (laughs) Okay, wait, I don't want to cough block, but there is a new Celeste Ng and now Becky... Tuck, Tooch, there's another interaction on Twitter. <gasps> oh my God, this is coming in live. Can we do this before the action items? 100%. Okay. So there was a conversation, you just see this here, where Celeste says, respectfully, you are determined to misunderstand the situation, so there's nothing more to say here. Wishing you all the very best. And Becky writes back, the only situation I've been determined to misunderstand is the one that allowed lies about a perfectly lovely human being to persist among us for years. If you're looking for more to say about it, you can start with, I'm so unbelievably sorry. Woo! Shit. And Becky, and I thought that Becky's apology sort of acknowledgement was also like very, very kind to Sonia. So like Celeste coming out with her teeth and claws out here. Too kind to Sonia, honestly. Yeah. Because I would have been like, she's all these things and apparently I was deceived. Like, because the thing, they're like, both things can't be true. You can't be, you can, she, she was always wonderful towards me. She was always thoughtful towards me, but like, Mm. you cannot call her a blanket, a wonderful, thoughtful person. Also knowing this information, in my opinion. Did you see the, the parent tweet that spawned that I respect your determination to misunderstand the situation? No, I'm literally just like, it just popped up when I'm. So Celeste tweeted, someone once said to me, you cannot shape your work based on the opinions of those determined to misunderstand you. And now I've got that stuck over my desk. DH or Debenham uh, tweeted at Celeste, did you put that above or below your quote, fuck Dawn and her one kidney quote? And this is where Celeste responds. I respect your determination to misunderstand the situation. And I'm sorry and sincerely wish you all the best. Hmm. So I think that's what she's, yeah, that's what she's saying. So, yeah, I I am not seeing these tweets anymore on her page. Are you blocked? No, I'm 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 here. 
I think. Uh, I mean, unless she can block me from certain tweets. But this is so, it's so interesting that she continues to go like this. She is. She's digging her heels in. Well, anyway, okay, what are my options for Salt Bay? What am I doing? Okay. Guessing how okay, much it so costs? I want you to guess how much a um, single portion, a side, a side dish of a sautéed mushroom cost. And remind me of that bill again. The bill is £32,000 or $50,000. Okay, $250 for the mushrooms. Oh, <laughs> no, it's just £12. <laughs> oh, that's the, like the- Ruth's Chris prices. <laughs> the main things actually that like that contributed so like the one golden tomahawk steak which is a you know a tomahawk steak a huge steak with gold on it which is uh, something that tastes of nothing uh 850 pounds oh my god i am like completely off this is why you could completely take advantage of me at a restaurant because i'm like what 250 for the mushrooms okay <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're doing there in Glendale, but here. I mean, listen, I'm at Damon's Steakhouse, tiki-themed steakhouse often in Glendale, and they run a pretty uh, reasonable menu. But no, I, I, I guess, okay, so, okay. Yeah, so 850 pounds for a single tomahawk steak, which in dollars is probably, it's got to be over a 1,000. Yeah. It's got to be. Just yeah, doing a quick conversion. Like, yeah, that's like probably I would say like eleven hundred. Oh, you're bang on eleven hundred sixty-nine. Nice, uh, sixty-five. The main things that actually contributed to the big bill. So, like, it was the tomahawk. The fries were a reasonable ten pounds each a portion. Okay, uh, two. Portion of, yeah, well, they had three. Okay. Um, they had a a portion of asparagus for eighteen pounds. Just the side of asparagus. Mashed potato is 12. Four portions of baklava came to 200, so that's 50 each. A single Red Bull at 11 pounds. But the main thing was they had two bottles of Dom Perignon Rosé, which came to 1,600 pounds. Two bottles of Petrus, which came to 19,900 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And one, another Petrus. Of, of, so, like, yeah, good four. A good chunk of that is uh, is booze, but I do think eight hundred and fifty pounds for a single steak is taking the piss a little bit. I mean, I would agree. I feel like I've been to incredibly expensive steakhouses that run similar pricing, and the money always is in the alcohol. That just is what it is. Like you, I don't know. This is the kind of dinner that like you don't want to get wasted at because you're supposed to be enjoying it. But like, really you can only, all you can do is really throw back and throw the, and, and live in the experience of the meal. So I, yeah. I actually am. I actually think that like these prices are not insane. If that's crazy. I think the alcohol prices are, are wild, but I would need to get intoxicated too. If I was fooling myself into thinking that Salt Bay was such an esteemed chef and <laughs> pay that money for him. But like at a he you know, at a multi star Michelin restaurant restaurant, like, yeah, I feel like my, you know, my stepdad, my former stepdad was very wealthy and traveled all around the world. And I feel like these were the kind of bills that he would pick up often. Oh, for like for Michelin food, you definitely pay. I mean, even for Michelin standard food, though, like even if you're going for a tasting menu, you're going into like 
hundreds each and then whatever wine if you're doing a wine flight with it but from what I gather the food is fucking like nothingy like it's garbage like it is not yeah um, it doesn't sound like it it would taste good it feels like the way that like Soho House is really not about the food like right even though it's sort of you know it's sort of marketed as this like private members only restaurant club like the food is very very underwhelming and you'd almost be better eating anywhere else before you went yeah it's like very this yeah it's like I god did you see that video that went viral I think it was during the pandemic of when Salt Bay was in Boston and this man took his girlfriend to dinner with Salt Bay and at the end of dinner you know she'd been in some drinks and she was kind of acting wild as you do and she's around celebrity power, right? So she's feeling it. And he comes in and catches this and goes rip shit because he just spent like, mm-hmm. you know, probably two paychecks to take her to Salt Bay. Yeah. I mean, he does, from what I gather, I mean, he's not going to stick around in London. He has his 19 other restaurants, but he comes around to the tables and you get your like, I suppose part of the price of entry is you get to goggle at Salt Bay for a sec. Well, he like drips, he has like a salt <laughs> butler who, who travels with him, who holds his plate of salt and then he sprinkles your meal with salt. I've seen him like cut pieces off the tomahawk steak and feed it to people off the knife and some weird like SeaWorld-esque. I've like, seen that as well. That. Like it's so disturbing. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. I can't, the thing is like, I would never go. But I know that if I did go, I would be, as I always am, like jaded and cynical. And I hate myself. But like, you know, when you see someone who is very known in a sort of abstract way, I wouldn't be able to contain my like weirdness around it. I'd be like, oh, my God, that's fucking salt bay. That's so weird. But I'm going to I have this uh, quote from a another restaurateur slash critic quite a famous UK critic who instead of going to Salt Bay's restaurant to review it because he thought it was like kind of a disgusting thing he knew the food was going to be shit he went to like a really nice local kebab place and got like a really wonderful like it's like a family-owned business got a little like shawarma kebab and set up a little picnic table outside Salt Bay's restaurant and ate it there which is like kind of trolling and at the end of his review he writes there is an essay on the end of empires by the fabulously named general sir john glubb which is instructional here he posits that empires move from affluence to decadence easily and then collapse sitting at my picnic table holding one of kebab kids finest i wonder whether now we are teetering on the edge after all as well as tasting of nothing all that gold leaf will pass straight through the body so let me leave you with an image salt bay's customer the morning after the night before getting off the throne looking down and clocking that all their money has bought them is a bunch of glittering turds poetry wow (laughs) (laughs) well listen guys salt bay is not that hot (laughs) no you don't have to bend to salt guys whims you just don't that was beautiful tiffany thank you I just wanted to end it, you know, on a little bit of highbrow history. But empires do collapse, and maybe we're in the last days of Rome, right? Everything's burning. Fuck it. Well, we're definitely in something. I mean, my friend Max always says, end times, the aliens are definitely coming. And he's been saying that since before the 2016 election. So he really is, (laughs) I feel, like a very sage man. And we got to just start, you know, really living, living it up. 
doing whatever yeah. we want except plagiarizing from Don Dorland. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for listening. This was a very different episode than last week. Who knows? Maybe we'll have something we can become completely obsessed with next week, but I hope not. Thank you so no, much. I like this one. Thank you guys. Never seen a shawty that look like a double G. Every girl in here ten, but it ain't no Tennessee. And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee. Delta G's on the left, Delta G's on the right. And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like to fight. Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the vine. Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down. Threw the money to the ceiling, now watch it hit the flow. Now rag it up, huh? rag, rag, rag it up, king, bag it up. Huh? Back, back, bag it up, king, stack it up. Stack, stack, stack it up. She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas. And if I drop a pin, best believe that she on the Thought way. She was important, but I moved her right about the way. Delta cheese tonight. Told her, baby, I got cheese tonight. Get a scholarship. I ain't smoking on no TAC, low tolerance. All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow. Like the tell her. Shout out Turbo Tax, tax refund. What's another? Like the quarterback at recess. No rushing. You gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission. No rush. This ain't UT. Why shirt orange like a pumpkin? Mama call me, ask me how college is. I said, bless Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.